Hello, everybody. Kyle here. You are listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you. Today, we're joined by our very special friend, Devin Hunter. Devin is the creator of the Modern Witch podcast, blog, and magazine. His most recent book, Modern Witch, Spells, Recipes, and Workings, launched in 2020. And he has some new things to tease us this time around. But ultimately, we just want to sit down, have a fun conversation, get into some topics surrounding Scientology, Project Stargate, and to tease our upcoming Saturday seance, which is going to be ESP focused. Devin, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. I, 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 I was so like grateful when I got the opportunity to like stop the rat race and just hang out with two of my favorite people. So thank oh, you for, for this. So sweet of you to say. You've been such a busy guy going through all kinds of different things. We're going to tease a little bit of the Witch's Sabbath later, which um, folks that listened to our last episode, we raved about that. Uh, you got, I heard modern witch podcast coming back around. So we got a lot to chit chat about today. Uh, maybe let's start with that one, Devin, cause we love the modern witch podcast. And you were saying previously on it, you'd done the Nephilim episode. Our good friend, Michelle Bellinger was on there. You had a bunch of folks on, it was a, I think a two parter. And, uh, so now you're coming back. Is that right? New episode soon? Yep. Yep. We have a new episode dropping this week. Um, so, yeah, so the Nephilim special was kind of like my so I'm a big Doctor Who fan and all my other Whovians out there who who. Um, but, um, yeah, and I one of the things that Doctor Who does every year is they put off like a Christmas special. Um, so right in the middle of the year, you know, while you're waiting for the next season to start, you'd have this beautiful thing, this this, you know, this Christmas gift. And now it's a New Year special, which is even better. So everyone feels included. But um uh, so I just loved it. And I was like, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to have like probably several months be- between, you know, this season and the next season um, because I had all these book projects and COVID was happening and things were just really intense. And so I said, well, I had already recorded the interviews. And so it was just a matter of me sitting down and stitching the whole story together. And, and it was fun. And, you know, one of the things I love doing with my stuff because of the way I get to record and and um, just kind of have fun on the editing side, not from the perspective of editing, you know, an interviewer or an interviewee's voice, but from the perspective of, you know, to me, a podcast is audio magic. And so I, every and every episode is a spell. And when I go into um, just kind of the, the sound design and, and stuff, if you listen to the episodes, you'll you'll hear um, I, I use this this sound effect where it sounds like you're switching between analog channels. Um, and so, you know, you'll go from the interview and then it'll switch to some very weird um, sound bite from some 80s television show. And then it'll switch over to like just a sound clip of a song and then it'll switch over to, a you know, one of the actual commercials for, for the show. Um, and then it'll keep switching back and forth. And so in each time it switches over, it's, you know, I'm, 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 there's magic happening. There's, there's something going on. And so, uh, my listeners caught on to this, which I love because it's something bad. It's, it's always like whatever's related to the episode. So, um, like this first episode for, well, it's technically the third episode because of the, the special that came out a couple months ago. Um, so, but for this episode, it's, I've got, uh, Nicholas Pearson on and he's, he's Mr. Crystal guy. 
Um, and so there's, it's all crystal references and it's, it's all about um, just helping you to connect with crystals. And so it's this big spell um, and I love it. I, it's, it's just this fun thing to do and, um, and people get to be, you know, engage in this kind of audio ritual with me. And um, so that was something I really forgot how much I love doing. And so when I got to do the Nephilim special, um, and I wove some of those things in and, and it was just like, I couldn't wait to get back. You know, I just wanted to, to start doing the show again. And so here we are, you know, so, uh, podcast is coming, but so the podcast comes back this week. And then in a couple of weeks, I'll have a new show on YouTube, um, which is going to be pretty cool. And that like weaves all the things in together. And I don't know if anybody follows me on YouTube, but I, I have a bunch of random disjointed show pieces basically where I'm like, I'm in the mood to do this. So this is what we're, what I'm doing. And, um, there hadn't been a whole bunch of consistency from video to video. So I just was like, I'm going to fix this. And so here we go. So doing a whole video series and we're just calling it modern, Witch show, um, which is, is, and it's going to be funny. And that's like my big thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of seriousness everywhere. There's a lot of, um, and, 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 and if there's humor, it tends to be cruel humor and it just doesn't need to be. And, and I think, um, you know, I've been around for a minute and I know how to laugh at things now and laugh at art, you know, laugh at myself um, as somebody who believes in all the, the strange shit I believe in and, you know, all that stuff. So I, you know, it's, that's the goal is to just take it to that level of, of, of providing a space where we can be like, okay, so this is obviously BS and, and this stuff here is pretty cool. And this is why it's pretty cool. And, um, and I'm excited about it. So that's happening and, and that's where the focus is. And I'm, you know, I'm just wrapping this book up and, um, but it's, it's been a lot of modern, which is where it's at right now. And it's, it's really fun to be back in the captain's chair. Um, cause it's been, it's been a minute, you know, I mean, we did the special, but then outside of that, it's been several months since I've gotten to do my thing. And so now I'm really excited. Oh, we can't wait oh. to see that. That's going to be so, so exciting. I, I, I've, yeah. I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm just like, I have to go do this. I have to go follow this. I have to make sure that this is on my list to make sure I'm following. So Yay! I'm so excited for everything you're doing. It's really fun. And, you know, one of the things that um, you're told, if you ever take any business courses or um, if, you, if you get tapped into the self-help scene, you're told that, like, after the age of 30, you should hire somebody who's, like, 18 years old to explain, basically, pop culture for you so that you understand what's going on. And I thought, oh, whatever. Like, I am Mr. Pop Culture. I love the blah, blah, blah. And I found myself sitting down one day listening to people like freak out over something that had happened on TikTok or witch talk. And, you know, and I'm, I'm laughing at myself because I'm like, oh, I was totally that that kid. Like, I was totally that eight year, that 16 year old who, you know, did some dumb thing and, you know, freaked out over it. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's how you learn and grow. And I just found people like getting really angry about TikTok. And I'm like, well these are kids like, you know, they're not even, they still live with their parents and they haven't <laughs> even paid a car bill yet. Like you, why are you getting angry at kids? And, and just to watch the, the occult scene and the, the witchy scene and the paranormal scene, like respond to these things so aggressively. I'm like, you do realize these are children. Like, like you need to calm down, you know? So there's just all this, like, it's just been interesting. So when that, when that started happening, I was like, okay. And so I, I've, I have literally hired a young person to be a correspondent for this for modern witch show for the youtube uh, show to help explain to those of us who are over the age of of 25 30 what what the kids are doing these days and so i you know, <laughs> i i guess 
apparently we need it. You know, I'm, I'm like, explain to me why we're cursing the moon now. Like, where does this come from? Why is this a thing? And um, and, you know, one of the things that uh, Che Wan Ku, who is this, she's a really awesome occultist on TikTok. Um, and she talks about other things, too. She's she does makeup and she's just a really talented witch. Um, although I don't know if she would call herself a witch, but she's a witch. Um, but uh, she's this really, really talented occultist. And, and one of the things that she says about TikTok, especially witch talk, is that, like, these are already the kids who are the rejects of the reject. They already feel that way. Um, it just, you know, I mean, if you remember when you were a teenager and how reject you felt like, mm-hmm. but you just put that online now. It's the same type of dynamic, essentially. And so that's fascinating to me because I was I was the nerdy ass teenager who was, you know, just nerdy ass, you know, like I was totally me. So, I, you know, I, I sympathize and I, I, I want to be able to, you know, just approach the, you know, these kind of topics and, and see it for what it is, you know, and, and not induce mobs i guess i don't know so anyway, just these little we have fun plans for the show it's going to be a neat it's going to be a neat season for sure oh i cannot wait i need that too i need i need someone to explain pop culture to me i don't know that i was ever uh, a kid enough to to be in it so this is going to be good i need that as a non-tiktoker too i only see the um the fallout that hits over on twitter as well so i only hear like right people cursing the kids cursing the moon and i'm like okay this is completely unproductive um you all just need to go away now yeah. so i am <laughs> super excited for modern witch show yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun we'll see how it goes but yes but you can tune into the podcast this week and if you just go to modernwish.com you can it's it's always going to have all the latest modern witch stuff so if if that's just the best place to go, just modernwish.com, boom, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, this first episode is all about crystals and um, with but specifically being like a, a, a person who is otherwise uh, grounded, who is otherwise scientific, who is otherwise a part of normal reality. How is it that you can be that person and still believe in crystals? And the power of crystals. And so that's what the whole episode of this, this whole next episode is really about. And um, I'm really excited to to get the feedback and, and hear what everyone says. Oh, my gosh. Another topic. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's another one I definitely <laughs> need. Uh, so this Saturday, as after you release that episode, uh, we're going to be having you on for an ESP version of our Seance Saturdays. And we were talking through yeah. DMs over on Twitter of what we wanted to do. And you came up with this amazing game plan for folks. And I'm guessing this comes from your interest in things like Project Stargate, um, which some of our listeners may be a little bit aware of from a previous episode we did but tldr we're talking the cia's approach to psychic spying um how uh, you have you been interested in that lately Devin? how, how far have you gone down that rabbit hole because it sounds like quite a ways uh well a little bit a little bit uh so my i i had the the privilege of studying with lloyd auerbach who i'm pretty sure i mentioned the last time i was i was on your show um but he is this phenomenal ESP, uh, and I'm pretty sure he's an occultist, although that's not really what where his work is. Um, but I, I feel like when I was like in his class and I saw him, I think he had like a pentacle ring or a, a seal of Solomon ring or something on. And I was like, you're one of us. You know, he was. <laughs> he, uh, but, you know, but, and I went to him to actually take a uh, a class in 
um, utilizing mediums in field practice when you're doing um, like like cases, like field cases. And so um, like what's the job of the medium in those situations? What's not their job? And, and so it was it was this fascinating class. Um, and so I got this, this privilege to study with him. And one of the things that he gave us um, was this huge packet of information that included stuff on um, specifically, uh, well, psychic phenomenon within the military and and specifically Project Stargate. And it wasn't a, it wasn't like this huge deep dive into it, but it was something that clearly he had an interest in. And, you know, there was some note in a a book that he thought would be, you know, something he could reference for the class that he was teaching. And so it was just one of those things. And um, I knew that he had an interest in it uh, because he had a book coming out and she has, he has this really big fat book that is, it, it's sitting on my nightstand. I have actually have yet to read it. So Lord, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. Uh, but he has this, he has a book specifically on it. It's this really, it's very well researched. It's, it's one um, a mini a nod because of, of the way that it's uh, approached this thing. So just check out Lloyd Auerbach, everyone. Um, but, and I think he wrote it with another author, but um, it was just this weird thing. And, and I'm into like you guys, you know, I'm into anything paranormal, anything, whatever. Just be, I mean, I happen to be a practicing medium, but that doesn't mean I'm not interested in, you know, the the ESP stuff, the stuff that's going on. And really, in, in your mediumship practice, you end up developing ESP as, as just kind of par for the course. So um, when I found out that there was it wasn't just a conspiracy theory, because I'd always thought it was a conspiracy theory that the military was trying to use psychics in their their research and, you know, hopefully in their plans for, you know, engaging with other countries and uh, psychic spies specifically. And I thought this was fascinating. And, you know, and I'm from the, the generation of like sci-fi is is obviously a really uh i love sci-fi i mean because i told you all i'm a mega nerd um and this idea of psychics in the military or militarized psychic ability has been all over sci-fi since uh, the, the 50s so it's it, it it was this thing of like is this real like is this real is i mean is, did this really happen did the military really think that they could use people like me who have some strange extra thing to spy and then i thought well why wouldn't it be right like if 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 i'm sitting down and doing my thing i and i can get accurate information then you know and that's those are tests that um you have to go under uh if you're in my tradition, but also in a lot of witchcraft traditions, you have to do um, remote viewing tests and things like that to, to, you know, level up. So it it was it should none of it's a surprise. None of it was a surprise, but it was definitely fascinating. So, um, well, and of course, and then there's the men who stare at goats movie um, that I think everybody's probably seen. And, and obviously, folks, that's a very different uh hollywood version of, of things that happen but there there is truth to you know some of the way at least it was presented so that's there's something there i think if you just have any interest in like is this something i i should be interested in you can just probably go check out that movie and worst case scenario you have to stare at george clooney for a couple hours but um <laughs> it's it's a good you know it, it there's you know there's it's a, it's a gateway to realizing in my opinion um, if we just kind of think beyond specifically the military studying psychic phenomenon, I think it's a good just example of there being an interest that the government has in what we would consider to be the ultra normal or the paranormal, the preternatural. 
And I, you know, we know that things happen all over the country and um, the military is suspected to be involved or the government somehow involved. And we don't really know. And we and we say, oh, it's a conspiracy conspiracy. Well, I thought this was a conspiracy, I, you know, because I'd heard things. But then actually having, you know, as somebody who was the um, head professor for JFK University's paranormal department when it when it was around um, saying, no, this is legit stuff. And, you know, here's the here's the papers. It was mind blowing. And so, of course, you know, there's my rabbit hole. But it also got me thinking about, you know, other things like aliens and we know what's going on with that. And what is the government? All of those things. And I tend to be somebody I'm a skeptic. Like if you, if all my friends, I, I'm the witch they don't like talking to because I'm the most skeptical about everything. I'm like, are you sure the light bulb just isn't burning out? Yeah. You know, like I'm that guy. So uh, everybody hates like when I'm around. But, you know, so I, I want to be proven wrong. I You know, I really am. In so many ways, I have the Mulder mentality of like, I really want to believe and I've had enough experiences that prove something's going on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so here I was hearing about the government, um, basically taking people who were, who you know, displayed some sort of psychic ability and putting them into rooms and testing them. And, um, you know, officially, I don't think anything technically came out of it. Um, and the program ended up shutting down, but there it was open for a really long time. And I, I have a hard time believing that if nothing was was happening for the course of it was over a decade that um, the government just would have left it, you know, open that long. But that's me. So I don't know. I don't know. I know. But I know that also you all have an interest in this as well. Yes, so much. So this is the this is the chance where we get to completely balance our, our interests off one another. Because I got to read The Men Who Stare at Goats thanks to the Newkirk's Paranormal Museum. They did a book club series a few months back, probably in the spring. And I got that on Audible. I went and binged the uh, book. And it, like you're saying, it sent me down so many rabbit holes. It sounds like there was good results from it some verifiable stuff but I, I think the biggest detriment to the program sounds like other parties in the government other organizations just discounted it so much i know russell targ who is one of the the lead um people on the team for project stargate back in the day he has a great uh, documentary out on amazon prime you can watch it third eye spies is the name and they discuss a lot of the cases where it worked out, like they had some successful viewing of Soviet um, like industrial complexes, uh, got really good uh, remote viewing hits, were able to actually have one of their viewers draw up like a crane type mechanism that was there. And it was literally identical to what you can see in, in aerial photos. Uh, but then also they tried to help in what I think was like a murder uh, investigation or a kidnapping. I think it was a kidnapping. They tried to assist and like the FBI or whoever was taking lead on it totally dismissed them. And yet, unfortunately, the person, the psychic in that case, had a good visual on it and they just didn't take it for granted. Like they just ignored it. So that resulted in bad stuff. Ultimately, like you said, it turning out to look like nothing came out of it. So the truth being somewhere in the middle but it's taken us down this rabbit hole of getting interested in the Monroe Institute. I don't know, Devin, if you're familiar with the gateway process out there. That's another CIA document that got really popularized last fall. And I want to say spring here of 2021. Um, Vice did some articles on it. And there was this whole big deal about this missing page 25. And the gateway process basically is a document from a CIA operative who went to the Monroe Institute started doing 
uh, hemisync, hemispheric synchronization, listening to certain, you know, musical tones in the ears and having your brain synchronized. And uh, throughout this document, he details this process where they could have spies basically astral project, though they don't like to use that word at the Monroe Institute, um, but they would have psychic spies astral project, but it goes way off the uh, more occult end of the spectrum really quickly, where they thought that they were just going to be spying on other locations around the world. It turns out they started meeting with these other intelligences beyond the veil, whatever you want to call it, beyond these multiple different levels. Uh, just really, really phenomenal stuff. And then, you know, story coming around here that we're actually going to sit down with the Monroe Institute on Thursday of this week and uh, get to ask them some questions about it. And I know the CIA topic is definitely going to come up. They have an interest in peeling back some layers on that one as well. Uh, so, yeah, Devin, I am just so amped when you bring that up. It just fascinates me. Now, well, and I will say what it, the, yeah. so the document you're you're referencing, I will say one of the things that was, you know, fascinating to me is there's a line there at the end. Uh, it's in uh, section four where he says, paradoxically, having gone to such great lengths to avoid trying to render judgments based on an occult or dogmatic frame of reference. In the end, I found it necessary to return, at least briefly, to the question of the impact of the gateway experience on common belief systems. And so I th I think that the little nugget there, like, really speaks to there being a, I mean, this is an onion that can just be peeled back layer and layer and layer. So I don't think, I mean, I'm excited to hear your interview, but I don't think we're going to really, like, get to the meat of this for a while. That's that's my personal. I, I I'm reading a lot of stuff about it. I've been listening to podcasts, and it is one of my two a.m. like kind of go tos. And it's I don't know. I I think there's a lot more to this. I, so I'm 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 gonna be listening to that interview with with a degree of scrutiny, only because I want to know if there's more, and I, I feel like there's more. I'm curious what you mean because, I, and I may may have like a from an initial call, I might have something to add to, which is. That when I sat down with their executive director and this this very preliminary thing, which is uh, technically off the books, but it's we're going to hit on this bigger in the show it is one takeaway line. Uh, he said that that is just one person's experience. And he wanted to hit that home because I think throughout this is me interpreting now, but I think throughout some of the vice reporting and, you know, just taking that article um, as it is the the gateway document itself, it does come across as like this is final this is this is what it is and here's how you do it but i think and we're going to see this more of this upcoming that the monroe institute's trying to say that's just one person's experience and there's many many different ways around it now i'm curious if that's what you're thinking about when you talk about an onion like what uh when you say i wonder what we're going to get to in the future kind of curious what you're looking at in that aspect well for me i think it's that when we if we when we put psychic phenomenon in any in any form into a laboratory setting the goal is always to be able to reproduce results and so you're going to you're going to do the same experiment you know hopefully on the same person a couple of times but you're also going to use other people and what i just from the reading and just from they're saying okay well this is a process this is an experience is so obviously it's there's protocols obviously it's been flushed out it's been adjusted it's been changed because you don't just come up with something and then just hand it over like i don't just come up with something and hand it to my editor and they print it so there is this there's there's there had to have been a longer process and my, i mean it just it this is for me this is my common sense 
thing for me. Uh, there had to have been a longer process. There had to have been other people involved who experienced other things before you get to the point where, you know, they're extrapolating data to come up with, you know, an answer or an official report. And in those experiences, when you get other people involved and, you know, as I, the little section I just read, they're saying, okay, obviously, as much as we tried not to, you know, religious belief played a part in this. And so this is one person's experience. What are the other experiences? Did you know what what would it mean if one person contacted an extra or an you know an ultra terrestrial entity um, versus something that was you know uh, an ultra planar entity right something from another plane? Um, what are they the same thing? You know, are, did the did they go through and experience the same being, but had it um, had communicated with it in you know different forms or different you know way? So that's what I want to know. Like, did everyone have the exact same experience, or you know, and in the between start and you know finish, who were the what were the experiences that happened that, and what why would you adjust your your practice, you know, your procedures um, based off of what that particular person's feedback is. So, you know, oh, that didn't work out right. Well, why? What makes you conclude that it didn't work out right? And what makes you conclude that it worked out right for you in this time? And so those are the things that I'm I'm curious about. And I know that we're not going to get all that information probably for a while, if at all. I'm taking notes because these are things I would be happy to bring up in some way, shape or form. So I, I can only thank you for expanding my mind and thinking about it like that. That's so good. Um, Absolutely. Uh, learning all the things that you're saying, I'm just like, I'm curious about this now, too. I hadn't thought about it before, but now I'm like, I kind of want to know. Can can you tell us more? Can, like, Penrose, we we need to know the the answers. Please tell us all the answers. Um, but yes, well, we will definitely ask all the questions we possibly can in our interview with them later this week. I'm so excited for that as well. I think this is again my gut instinct. I think they're going to come back and say everyone's experience is radically different, and I, that makes me even more curious after what you just said, Devin. You know, talking about these different processes that had to be put in place. I'm wondering pure speculation again, if this is sort of, they are a bureaucracy, you know, they're a business, um, now a nonprofit, but um, they have changed gears over the years. So where it initially got a lot of traction, you know, with this, this CIA stuff back in the 70s, I think it was, uh, they claim now to have no association, no affiliation, and that uh, it seems to be more now about awakening each person in their own way so yeah you just lined us up with a bunch of really great questions to try to peel back another layer of that onion to see what their opinions of all that will be so it leads me to oh and then yeah go ahead well okay so what's the point though right so if there's this procedure or practice that you know allows you to connect with and you know uh, something else what is the end game with that? Like, why do you want to communicate with this entity? What is like, what are you getting out of it? You know, you know what I mean? Like there's, what are we as a community, as a culture, as a species getting out of it, especially if it's aliens, you know? So there, there's things that, and, and, you know, if we get into the, the, the alien phenomenon in general and things like that, there's a lot that like, the ever, there's there's so much that ends up being disjointed and there's dots that I think need to be connected that maybe if we were looking at it from a different angle, we probably could connect them, but we're not asking those questions. Um, and so we end up with this like, OK, so you there's this 
you know, protocol that was created for something else, but this is actually the result that happened to it. And these are the people who experienced it. And um, these are their personal experiences. Okay. Well, what was the end game? Like, what is the, a, a, what do all of these experiences bring you to conclude about the experiment itself? Um, But, and then, you know, if you get to the point where you've made it a practice and a procedure, then there has to be an end game. Like, and it can't just be, to me, it's, it's not, if, if there's an institute and there's a nonprofit and there's money involved, there has to be more going on than just, oh, you're, you're achieving enlightenment or you're talking to, you know, uh, an ultra, you know, extraterrestrial being. There has to be something else there because it's not just that, you know what I mean? Because then it's a cult and that's different. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm like, hmm, I just think it's all fascinating. But that's me. Uh, I need to send you a link. I don't know if you've already heard of this, but this has been one of my most recent binges down their line. But they have these probably like 12 or more hours worth of these channeled sessions they did from about the 70s, 80s window where they were taking some of their most proficient um, experiencers. I'll just use that word. But folks that could get to their highest like levels of um, hemisync process, the gateway process. And they were doing these channeled sessions with a group of ultra terrestrials that went by the name of Imaces. Uh, and so they did, I want to say it's maybe broken down to like 12 or so. They're free on archive.org. So I can gladly get you a link to if you ever want to tune in. But they're really fun to listen to because, I mean, it is, to your point, they ask a lot of questions about the formation of humanity like where do we as humans come from so i do wonder if that ties into that question too and i wonder if that's still something on their interest these days like clearly the monroe institute around the 70s 80s wanted to get at how did humans come about what are we spiritually before we enter the human body because that's at least the angle they seem to be coming from and uh I don't know. I'll send you that. I'm I'm so glad to get all these just different ideas from you on it because this is going to take it to the next level. Oh, yeah, I no, know it. totally. Please do. I would love I would love to do that. Well, and that's one thing too with people who are channelers of um, either collective consciousness or and it's 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 always there's it's always an alien of some kind, right? It's it's like um, Esther and Jerry Hicks have Abraham. Um, there, you know, it, and they have a whole cult following around it, and it's it's this very interesting. Um, thing to note that a lot of the times, if there's an extraterrestrial that's being channeled, the interest is every, I mean, I've never seen it once not be. It's always about the creation of humanity, our purpose, our promise. Um, and it's always stuff that's like, oh, well, you know, you need to quit nuclear war. It's going to destroy you. You know, it's, it's this very light. It's, there's very, it's it's a very niche, very specific field of channeling. And so as, as somebody who does channel just being a medium, you know, of course, I'm interested in all of that stuff. And, and, and I've met people who I thought were full of crap, but then they sit down and they start channeling and like all my spidey senses are going off. And it's you know, there's there's obviously something happening. There's obviously they're tapping into maybe it maybe it is a celestial consciousness. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but it does seem to be whenever there are aliens involved and human psychics involved, there's always this like, where do we come from? And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, here's my deal. Here's my deal. This has been the number one question since humanity was able to think. 
you know, right. since we became sentient and we, you know, this is before civilization, you know, we were still wandering nomads for 400,000 years. There's, this is what we've been asking forever. So I, what I tend to question um, as somebody who is a, you know, as a psychic and who is, you know, who does this stuff and it's not to, to say what they're doing isn't, isn't real. I'm not saying that at all, but what I tend to question is, um, why, like, why, why is it that conversation? Why isn't it like, oh, we, you know, hey, there are, you know, nuclear installations in these places and, you know, that you don't know about, or why isn't it that um, you're going to experience this phenomenon, this celestial phenomenon in two years, and that'll be your proof that this is a real ex exchange that we're having. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's things that aren't quite they don't quite fit. And I think, and so I think it usually is the person's um, own propensities, their own, their own needs for answers or what they maybe even think, you know, we, as a, as a species, our propensities as a species, you know, what do we need to know? I think that the channeler ends up being a lot more of that message or that messenger necessarily than, than uh, we, we tend to see in other forms of channeling. So whenever, so I always, you know, for me personally, I, I tend to kind of like, question a little bit more when people are channeling extraterrestrial or ultra terrestrial entities. I love it. Oh my gosh. I mean, that, that clearly to me leads into our conversation about what we want to try and do this Saturday for the, what we call the Saturday seances or say on Saturdays. Cause I yeah. know you wanted to kind of avoid channeling things directly. Um, but Pagan yeah. and I <laughs> tend to be the ones that do a lot of these channelings for our sessions. So I'm curious. I mean, we're going to try and focus this one around more ESP testing and, and, and sort of things like that, which is really great for the chat that we have going on. Because we do these live over on Twitch, um, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal, if any of our listeners want to come and join us. I think that's going to take place at 7 p.m. Eastern on a Saturday. So for the last couple... We have, again, been doing things where we've, Pagan, you, you know this a little bit more than I, because I'm the one that's always mm -hmm. in the Estes method. I got my blindfold, my headphones on, listening to a spirit box, seeing what comes through there. But it seems like we've got some really interesting intelligences trying to speak through. And Pagan, maybe you could shed a little bit of light on, like, who's been trying to come through recently and maybe oh, yes. how that could tie into this weekend. Absolutely. We have had some very fun beings come through and i don't want to you know say they're ultra terrestrials or i don't officially know exactly what they are um we do know there's at least one or two human spirits for sure that um probably reside in kyle's house which is totally cool because we all know that they're there and we love them but the other spirits or entities that are coming through feel ultra terrestrial also don't at the same time and they feel very attached to kyle uh they're very hey, stop friendly. right there stop right there explain yeah. what you mean by feel ultra terrestrial like what do you, what do you mean by that feel human they don't feel what i would identify as something like the fey um but they don't feel like they're from our i guess plane or planet okay do you have a physical sensation that goes with this or is it a um, contemplative philosophical sensation? Me personally, no physical sensation. So I would say it's probably more contemplative. Now, Kyle, on the other hand, actually does get touched and often feels like there's things walking around him. Um, but they now, don't. Is, are these the same dog. entities or is this a different entity? Now, 
one time that something walked past, it was, we were kind of determined that it might have been the man that was in the house, that the human spirit. Um, however, the other couple of times, I don't think it is. I think it's whatever these beings are. And they just don't seem like they're of this world. They seem like they're from somewhere else, which is totally cool. And they are a lot of fun to talk to. Um, at one point in time, we were in a session with Katie Webb, and we ended up doing some sort of ritual with them. They wanted an offering of bay leaves. We burnt some bay leaves for them. Uh, they wanted us to drink some wine. We didn't have any wine, but I had red-colored juice, so we substituted <laughs> that. Um, so it was very interesting. And then this last round, uh, the energies that we spoke with uh, were from the ocean. So they were... I don't know if they were ocean spirits, if they were ocean beings, or if they were ultra-terrestrials that happened to reside in our oceans, but they were very interesting. So it's been a lot of fun talking with all of them, and we don't ever really like put labels on them and say, oh, this is exactly what they are, because we don't really know, but it is fun talking to them for sure, and they're all very yeah. understanding and friendly for some reason, so... We haven't really encountered anything negative, which is very nice. So Hallelujah. that's that always going. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely good. That's definitely good. I love these questions too, Devin, because they, again, get my mind thinking about it in a whole different way. I'm so glad. I mean, I'm very new to the idea of channeling things um, or even with the process of the Estes method. We've only been doing these uh, almost every weekend, but not exactly for the last like two months or so. So pretty, pretty new to it to have someone like you that has a lot of experience with it, both um, personally and also academically with all of your you know research into it and um other works it's it's really really cool to hear your angle on it because those are questions that i don't know that i've asked yet like what how how does you how do you know that this feels otherworldly like what triggers that sense in yourself mm -hmm. um now have you had any experiences that you'd be comfortable like have you had those with ultra terrestrial higher intelligences or do your channelings mainly focus on like actual spirits that we identify as human normally uh it's it's all of it's everything. I mean, I, you know, really. I, and I think if you if you're somebody who just if you get downloads, if you get messages, you're going to get them from pretty much anywhere. And I know that there's you know, there tends to be mediums who specifically focus on angels and ones that specifically focus on demons. And that I mean, I, I'm sure without question, you can be more tuned into a type of, you know, one spirit or the other. But I, you still have the ability to hear spirits or, you know, whatever. So, and for me, um, you know, again, cause I, I tend to approach things as scientifically as possible. And that isn't to like pull pseudoscience in it, Cause I don't want to like, I don't want to discredit science and I don't want to discredit, you know, the paranormal experiences I'm having either. Um, but it is to at the very least use the scientific method whenever possible and to try to explain things um as as if you know you were telling them to a clinician um and i found that over the years when even you know if i approach just what i experience in that way and i try to be as subjective as possible um you get so much more information out of it that's actually for me that's useful because you can take it to the next thing and go okay you know, I learned this in this last session and this is what, you know, so I know what to look for in this way. And then each time you just get to go deeper and deeper and deeper because of that. Um, and, you know, whereas I think a lot of us tend to be in it for the ride and I'm totally here for the ride. I think that's great. You know, I'm not a roller coaster person, but if you want to go to a haunted, you know, sanitarium somewhere, I am totally there. 
Um, so I get it. It's, it's, you know, there's, I think it's, I also think it's good practice too, just to spread your muscles out in that way. But in general, um, there, there, we tend to, I think we tend to just, you know, and this is no offense to anybody, but we tend to just not ask necessarily the right questions that are going to get us to, uh, if, if the goal is to expand, right. To expand your, your knowledge base and to, um, build up your skills as an investigator, I think a big part of it has to come from subjective thinking. And so, and, you know, again, scientific method helps with that, you know, being able to duplicate things. And so that's why, like, even when I'm, you know, out in the field and I, I, you know, a spirit energy is there and I stumble into it, I have to kind of get hit twice before I really, you know, go there. I, I want to know that there's a repeatable experience that I'm able to have. Um, and, and, you know, you just kind of train to make that happen or train to allow that to happen um, and, and so on and so forth. But it, it, a lot of it comes from that subjective thinking. Um, and so, but to answer your first part, the first part of your question, um, which, which is about, did have I experienced any ultra terrestrial stuff? I have. Um, and, and that's one of those, you know, when I said earlier, like I've had enough experiences that like I stick around cause I, I'm like, there's something going on here. Um, and it actually came through a client, um, who had come in and she was, I want to say she was actually in her late thirties, but she looked in her mid fifties. Um, she just had like a rough life. She'd been like on a ranch her whole life. And so, um, and, but even then, I, th- I felt like she looked a little older than what that would have even afforded to her. And as we started talking, she started talking about her body and how she, um, you know, was tired a lot. And she felt like she had aged quicker than her sisters and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And and so I'm just kind of like tuning in because, you know, I start to flip through all the things because you never know. And um, and it starts to flip like, OK, is there a spirit attachment? Is there something going on? No, no, no. But there was this emptiness that. It was and it was like this cold vacuum emptiness that was just kind of in her energy space. And, you know, everyone's got their own signature, their own kind of energy signature. And so when once you tap into it, you can tap into whatever's tapping into them or whatever they're tapping into to help produce that energy. And so, you know, I felt this weird thing I'd never experienced before. And um, and so I just kind of I tugged on it psychically. And and the next thing I know, she's telling me about how um, she doesn't believe she's from um, this our planet. And, and, you know, this is stuff I'd heard before, but there was there was this experience that was accompanying her saying this to me that made me really just like stop what I was doing because she didn't know what I was doing. She you know, she we were just talking. And I'm doing my job, you know, but she didn't know the 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 aspects of what I was doing in the protocol. And um, and so she had no idea that I tapped into this thing. And then suddenly she starts saying, I don't feel like I'm really from here. And then we start talking about how she um, basically she hears not necessarily voices, but it's it's almost as if there's a, an extra presence in her mind. And and I'm like, well, tell me more about that. You know, so we start going into it. And, and then next thing I know, this that sensation that I would felt, you know, kind of in her space just filled up my space. And I was having this very, you know, we were very connected in that moment and, and um, I was floored. I, I had no reason to believe that this woman was, you know, connected to anything that was extraterrestrial. Uh, you know, there, it, it had never even been something that I had been really exposed to personally before. I didn't, Ever, I'd never even thought about somebody who was connected to something like that coming in and sitting across from me and getting a session. 
Um, and so it, it, it was very numbing. I mean, it was this, it was, it left me and, you know, we had this wonderful experience. It was a wonderful reading or, you know, session. And, and it was a lot of us saying, okay, well, you know, and I told her what I was experiencing. I said, this is very new for me. This is not something I'm used to. Um, but this is what it is. And, you know, does any of that make sense to you? And she said, oh, absolutely. And then we started really getting into it. And so the session was really beautiful at the end of it, because I think it gave her validation on something that she didn't know she could talk about. But it was really a, a very large part of her life and what was going on. And, and you know, and I kind of linked, you know, I was like, well, you know, your health problems and the stuff with aging. And like, this is all stuff that's very much connected to this experience. And and so, you know, we had we had some really we had a good heart to heart. We had a good like you know, hey, you're psychic and you didn't know it and this is what's going on, or at least you're tapped into something and you didn't know it and it's going on and um, this is the result and, you know, and this is what you can do to to make sense of just your own experiences. Um, you know, I try not to give people my frame of reference, but to help them build their own whenever possible, especially when we're dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, so, and that that caught me in this space where I, I it, you know, because as a psychic, so much of what we experience is just so right brain and it's so um, touchy and feely energetically. And usually it's, it's you you know, we, we describe things as hot or cold or, you know, and, and, and to have this experience where it's like neither existed and everything was just kind of equalized and nullified. And and there was this just emptiness. It, it was this very strange experience. And. You know, and I so I go home that night and I'm I'm kind of processing what I had experienced in that because it was very new for me. And I'm jotting my notes down. And, and then I start to realize that it reminded me of things I'd seen in movies. And this is a big thing that I think people don't pay attention to with their psychic abilities. You will have, you know, we we are just uh, radios tuning into different signals and fre different frequencies. And if you're watching something on television or you're listening to a story and it makes you feel a certain way and you don't really understand why, like maybe a song pops in your head and you relate it to a certain emotion or a scene in a movie and you relate it to a certain emotion, that's you psychically tuning into essentially the frequency that was being created by the the director or, you know, those actors or whatever. So that same thing happens with other things in our life. And so um, you you can tap into a frequency and just because it was you know made by a fictional character or made made to be fiction doesn't mean that the thing you're feeling, the thing you're experiencing isn't real. They were tapped into it, too. They just helped create it in, in a way that you could experience it. So when I started, you know, going through these my notes and I started thinking about what I experienced with that client earlier on that day. And I started going, you know, this feels familiar. What does this feel like? Like, I remember it, it's something like when I was a little boy, I watched something and it made me feel like this. What was it? And I started realizing that it was like the X-Files. And, and I'm like, what? You know, it, it, this is just so not my person. I'm so not this guy. Um, but I, there I was being that guy. And uh, and I realized that, like, no, there really there's something to it. There there was something to it because my own psyche recognized even after the fact that this she was part of something that had been presented to me in another form in some way or capacity. And it was enough that it, it triggered the same psychic senses, you know, the, the same smell, the same whatever was there. So. That was a trip. Um, and that was the beginning of the end, my friends. It was it was over after that. And um, I, I, you know, I, there's some things I haven't done yet that I would love to do. I would love to do um, the psychonaut uh, rituals. Haven't done that yet, because to be honest with you, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. It's going to get intense um, because of experiences I've had and because of my, you know, I think 
I'm more willing to accept aliens than I am spirits most of the time because of just, you know, what I require for my own uh, burden of evidence. And so uh, a burden of proof. And so, you know, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot to it. You know, there, it's, it's a big, interesting topic. But I I do believe I, I do believe I have um, had contact with ultra terrestrials at least once in dream. Um, and I believe that and I believe it was a we had real conversation. Um, I think this actually happened. I suspect it happened a lot more when I was younger. Um, because I would have I, I was I, I had very vivid, very strange dreams that were um, always taking me to places around the planet that weren't deserted and that people didn't live uh, where people didn't live. And it would make sense for people to live for somebody to live there. But yet I was finding myself in these places talking to beings that um weren't from here but you know as i got older you know and especially now looking back and i think about you know you know we did the nephilim special on the show and stuff and like oh those those were people with big elongated heads and you know you know just interesting things that um i I think you know maybe something was there and i would hope to be able to explore that more uh in the future but i i can definitely say that i had a very vivid dream experience as an adult that makes me feel that way um and then i've had experiences um where I would do, especially when I was working on the witch's book of spirits, there was a lot of just kind of open channeling and things that would happen. And, um, as just part of a daily practice. And I do believe that as I got to working with the more celestial spirits, um, that I wrote about, there's something there was, I was, I was also meeting somebody else and that I do not think was a, entity in the same way that I was uh, channeling entities for that book. So I, you know, I kind of put it in a box and and put it off to the side, but I'm very sure. Um, Yeah. So, you know, there's, I've had experiences. It's, you know, I've had enough that it makes me like listen to other people, you know, at the very least say their experiences and, um, you know, and I'm not here to to verify or or cancel anybody's experiences. That's not what I'm about. Um, But I can say, you know, I think I have pretty high standards when it comes to this stuff. And, and I do believe that I have had some sort of interaction uh, with an ultra terrestrial life form uh, in some capacity in my practice. I do believe that has happened. Wow. I'm just bombarded with like a million questions to ask off of that. Same. <laughs> ask them. No, I, I, I am yours. I am. I am. My schedule is clear. I'm just here for y'all. So oh whatever. Gosh. Okay. Well, it's then... weird. And I know we're going to talk about this shit anyway. So please. <laughs> yeah. If you're interested and I'm not just going on, please, please, please. No, I mean, that, that this is 100% up my alley because I'm, a, I, again, someone that's new to all of this. And even her story, I, I hate to be that guy that's like overly relating, but I feel very similar to a lot of the things you mentioned the woman had with those connections with ultra terrestrials or some sort of entity that feels like vacuumous even when you were saying that i wasn't sure i I kept racking my brain if you had told us that in the last interview or not because someone (laughs) so recently um was describing tapping into someone and they felt that vacuumous kind of spacey vibe coming through them and and so that just triggered a whole like deja vu moment for me um i guess some of my questions I'm starting to also reevaluate where where we're going with these say on Saturday segments because it started as us just wanting to toy around and explore, see what we could contact instead of forcing Pagan and I mid pandemic to try and go out into the world and investigate locations. 
Um, I've bought into the idea more and more and more that we can channel that into our home instead of needing to go physically that, you know, it's all interconnected spatially. It doesn't really matter. Time doesn't really matter and all the such. So trying to keep what you just explained um, in in tandem with what we're going to work on this weekend, I guess that's where my next line of questioning goes is like, what is a good way to start opening people up to these experiences of um, being a little bit more critical when we're asking these questions, not in a doubting sense, but in a validation sense. Cause I, I'm looking here at the list of things you sent through of what we're going to try and work on, which is, um, group warm up with a quick countdown, maybe try and do some of those side cards. Although I think that you and I talked that one might not fit in so great for this first one, but instead going more towards doing like uh, the group trying to affect an EDI meter, um, and doing some group balancing work. We also talked about doing in the future some remote viewing. But I feel like as a community, our our listeners, I feel like we still have some base work to do in getting to that stage. So maybe my question is, as I'm talking, knowing that we're interested in speaking to some of these ultra terrestrial entities, knowing that we're also trying to do it in a group environment where we're channeling multiple intents together to kind of amplify the message. I'm curious, Devin, for this weekend, if we can devise some way of working on that. I don't also want to put you on the spot of being the channeler. I'm I'm more than happy to be the guy that's receiving these messages. But I'm curious if you have advice for folks, um, like in a setting that we're in, of how we could start advancing that. Is there is there practices that you think might be really, really good for us? I mean, obviously you have multiple, multiple books out for people to read, but. Uh, no, there's, there's totally practices. And, and you know, I think a, a big thing, I, I, I was just, I do a thing for my patron, my patrons every month and I, we kind of record a class and then go through there. And this month we were talking about the skills that I think uh, a advanced practitioner would should re, you know should have essentially and and how to build those up and and a big thing and I've already talked about it today was is subjective thinking and being self 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 subjective um, and this is a skill that it sounds boring but it, you know if you ever enter the corporate world uh, and you're like and you wonder why you're not advancing through the corporate world it's one of the reasons why is and recruiters will tell you this. Self-subjectivity is so important for leadership skills. And so managers and companies look for this stuff. They look for somebody who can think critically about what they're experiencing and think critically about um, the information they're being given. And, you know, but it's reflected towards yourself. So you can think about, hey, you know what? I wasn't the best performer today. These are the things I need to do to, to make it better. Right. And so that's a really important skill to have. And not everybody actually has that. And I learned really early on when I was doing um, uh, well, really when I was just kind of messing around and figuring out how my stuff worked. Um, I had this really wonderful friend in high school. Her name was Katie. And uh, shout out to Katie if you ever if you're tuning in. Um, but I, I just love Katie. and I were very, very close. And, and she was my, my witch friend. And we were both practicing uh, new, new, newborn witches kind of at the time. We're talking like 16 years old. And. The first time I really knew that, like, the stuff going on in my head had an impact on the world was um, she was over and it was really late at night and um, we were talking about just talking about spirits. That was it. 
and uh, or as my mother would say, opening a gateway. Um, and uh, which is it's, it's kind of that easy. That's the way you start talking about something. You get the heebie-jeebies. Well, you're tuning in. Um, but we, so we were just talking about spirits. And then suddenly I started getting this like weird need to say a word or, or to, to say a name. And I didn't know why I, I couldn't. Ex- it was this urge. It was almost it was instinctual to just kind of blurt this out. And so I just looked at her and I was like, White Castles. I don't know why, but I just feel like I have to say White Castles. And she just burst out into tears. And what she didn't tell me was that she had been hoping that we were going to somehow be able to connect with her aunt who had just died the year before, before I had met her um, and before our friendship started. I didn't even really know about this woman, um, but that they had been really close and her death really affected her. And that towards the end, because she was, she was in chemo treatments. The only thing she could really stomach or keep down was, of all things, White Castles. And so she would stop and get White Castles for this woman like every time she'd you know go to see her, which was like a couple of times a week. And, um, and and I had no idea, you know, so, you know, I had to blurt this thing out and then I said it and I was like, this is going to sound stupid. Um, and she's crying and, I, and I'm like, what did I do? You know, and, and then she tells me what's up. And then I realized, OK, there's there's something to this. So what did that feel like to me? When that came through and I just was correct, like there was there was definitely valuable information there. What did that feel like? And it took me a minute to to learn that that's what I had to do to to really understand what I was experiencing was to stop and really be subjective about it and and kind of put myself through the ringer, because there's times that, you know, I uh, would suspect something was was very psychic and it just wasn't, you know, just like intuition and something that, you know, Keep in mind, everybody, too, I come from like I I was a psychic before I was a witch. Like I so I come through witchcraft and occultism through the lens of of really paranormal investigation and study. And so um, especially as a psychic. And so, you know, I as a psychic, I can't just make something up and um, expect it's going, you know, that, that it, it's going to be valuable for somebody, especially if it's like. I'm talking to somebody's, you know, grandmother or something. And if I give them information, it has to be proven. Like it has to be something that can be proven there or else I'm no good. Like I am not useful to this person. In fact, I'm probably causing more harm. Right. So for really early on, my standards for how to get back to a reliable uh, sense of communication with whatever else is out there became very important. And um, that's what I've spent you know, my personal practice has really been about over a very long time. Um, you know, it has been it has really been about understanding that and um, being able to duplicate it. And then and then at some point it became about helping other people to figure themselves out because everybody works differently. There is no manual that fits everybody. It just doesn't happen like that. But we we have signposts that tend to be a lot like how we each experience things, you know, just like we all have the same senses for the most part. So you can navigate most of this stuff through, you know, just really subjectively communicating, uh, you know, what is it you're experiencing and, and, you know, again, putting it through the ringer. So having a really high bar, really high standard, um, you know, again, as a medium, I'm no good if I'm not giving accurate information. And so much of that is provable in the spot. Um, you know, especially if, if they're coming to get specific information. So, you know, if, if I'm like, oh, I don't know, I, you know, there's, uh, there's a man with blue eyes and he's over your left shoulder and he just wants you to know that you're safe. 
that isn't good. Like that's not good psychic. That's not valuable psychic information. So, you know, and a lot of the times people come to me and it's stuff like, oh, we lost this paperwork that, you know, is the deed to the house and my grandfather's dead now and I don't know where it's at. Where did he put it? So it's it's different types. I tend to get the different types of cases. And I, I wish it was more stuff that was like, you know, oh, there's a man over your shoulder and, you know, but it's not. It's usually there's all these other things. And so the clients are able to, like I said, in the moment, just kind of know if I'm full of crap or not. Um, and so you can't be full of crap when you do when you go to, you know, do the work. And so if we apply that to our psychic skills, then you end up being able to really figure out how you work. And this is the big, big thing. So we all work differently. There is no one size fit all. And so if you're reading books and they don't quite make sense and you, or you have a hard time doing the practice, like, yeah, keep doing it because maybe you, you just need practice. But you may not work that way, you know, and um, just like there isn't really a one size all fits all thing with the energy body and the chakras like that's not actually how it works. So, you know, when we really take belief and, and things out of the way and we just focus on the experience and the feelings, you know, we actually really go through the senses. And, you know, for a lot of us, there really aren't a lot of psychics who taste things or smell things, but it happens, you know, but, and, and they don't maybe notice it at first because it's so subtle. Um, and then later on, you know, they realize, oh, no, there's there's a I, I smell something before I get this extra sense. Right. And, and you wouldn't have known if you were just flying by the seat of your pants all the time. You know, but if but if you really stop and you really subjectively think about what happened and you and, you know, and you have to be able to get retrievable information, that's something that takes time. Um, so you start with little things. You start with like psych cards. And the reason why psych cards are good is that you can, you know, if like I, I could be in front of a group of 100 people and I could be projecting what I see on the card to a to group of 100 people and your options are limited. You've got like four different shapes it could be. And so you get a one out of four chance just with the odds that you're going to get correct. And what we want to shoot for is a greater probability. So I think uh, Project Stargate had a probability of like 14 percent accuracy was what the official like numbers were. And so, you know, your goal is to get higher than that. Hit shoot for 15. Oh, I love this. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you understood that's so my question, amazing. too. Yeah, that's literally exactly where I was trying to go with it. So uh, maybe we do work back in. Pagan and I just tried to do some side cards on stream, um, and we only pulled a couple. But uh, it, it, it did feel to me like, like I was kind of alluding to last time, like our group needed to kind of come together a little bit more before we start actually putting it to the test. Because people were starting to feel... Uh, like they were doing it wrong. Like I picked up on that general sense of folks getting uh, kind of bashing their own skills and chat saying, oh, you know, I, I can't get any of these right. Although they were getting some. So it wasn't like full zeros across the board because I know that means a whole other thing. Uh, but mm -hmm. it was it is interesting to kind of watch a group of people digitally, virtually try to enhance these abilities. And I think that's a really great way to go about it is just that self-reflection and subjectivity, knowing what things pop out to you most of all. That really stands out to me. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, and side cards are tricky, too. Um, and, and, you know, we, we want to go like you can start with just two options and just give people, you know, two options first. That's how you warm up. And then you add variables. You add a third card and then a fourth card. Um, and, and, and so there's ways of doing it so that you can build up your 
your tolerance essentially for the experience before you go into diving in, you know, for real hardcore information. But the same set of skills that you're going to use for side cards are the same set of skills that are used for channeling that are used for uh, remote viewing. And so, you know, it's all connected because it's all the same set of muscles, you know, for us. And so um, we, you know, side cards are just, they're just the easiest thing, you know, and in folks at home, if you're like, if you don't want to go spend the money on side cards, you can literally just get some um, index cards and just put an X, an O, a triangle and a square, you know, on four cards and just shuffle them up and just kind of work your way through it. Um, but, you know, statistically speaking, it, you know, if, if you can hit that above 14% accuracy, then you're doing better than you know, the the group of psychics that the military was using, technically. Um, and so that's what you kind of go for. And, you know, and granted, it's been all many, many moods since I've sat down and just drilled myself like that. Um, but it really does make a difference. And, and, and it, you know, the other thing, too, with it, too, is that you're dealing with racing against probability. And so if you can get your your odds up, then that also builds a confidence that's I think is really important when you go into the bigger stuff, like you're channeling a spirit or an, an ultra whatever entity. Um, so, you know, there's there's protocols with it and there's ways of going about it. And then when you're doing the side cards at first, there's a couple different angles to approach. And it's fun to see, you know, you could use the same set of variables. But if you approach it with, you know, these different aspects or these different um, angles, then, you know, suddenly you're you increase in accuracy and you do that as a group. And you're like, well, how the hell does this happen? And it's all because of, of the way in which the experience is being induced. And, you know, being able to do that. And that's, you know, so, yeah, so there, there's a lot to it. There's there's it's there's there's a whole lot to it. But I, I am more than happy to any time come play side cards with you guys. Well, Anytime. you know, awesome. so you have such a good idea with it. I, I am I'm turned around. I think I think that uh, you have a very good outline for what you want to do this upcoming weekend. I was a little bit worried, like I said, with the side cards, just because we had had that kind of dejecting sort of experience here and there. But I think with that approach, like you're saying, doing the limited options, let's throw that back in the in the mix for it, because you clearly have a really great understanding of, of how to work with them. And I would just be really honored to see that in process. So let's do that. I mean, that could be really, really fun. Like you said, flex those muscles and uh, then see where it takes us, because we don't really have any hard out or like specific timing on Saturday other than being gentle with your schedule. You know, we don't want to keep you there for 100 hours, but um Really, with that process, with that experiment, let's do it. Let's see how that goes for us. I'm so in. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Whatever, whenever. Well, let's look awesome. at wrapping this episode up because we have you for a bonus chat here in just a few minutes. So mm -hmm. for anyone that's interested, this uh, second half will be up on the Revelator Network site for anyone that's a subscribed member. So if you want revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe, $5 and above, you get access to this bonus feed so you can listen to the interviews with Devin and all of our wonderful guests. Uh, we're going to talk Scientology, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be fascinating because of all the occult tie-ins and i think it's a conversation that will flow very well from the esp aspect i really want to talk what you brought up earlier about the living rituals and i kind of want to talk to you about how signing a billion year contract with your <laughs> with your soul might have to uh do with energizing l ron hubbard or something that that's really yes fascinating <laughs> yes so Devin Hunter's got the Modern Witch podcast coming out this week. Did you say that was a Thursday release, Devin, or did I make that up? Uh, you 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 made that up, oh, but that's oh. probably when it's going to be. So oh. yeah, 
So <laughs> maybe I'm using my psychical abilities there. I don't. There you go. There you go. I think so. So look for Devin Hunter's wi- uh, Modern Witch podcast, everyone. You can go to modernwitch.com and uh, find all the amazing things from there. You also maybe we could talk a little bit about you turning that uh, plant hobby into a business. I know you got a crystal book coming up, yeah. but one thing we should really get into this episode is to tease people about Witch's Sabbath because that was just phenomenal. Mm, but mm-hmm. what's the time frame on that for this year, Devin? When should people be looking out for that happening? So the, the it, we are the first full weekend of November, and um, that is actually astrological Samhain, the the Sabbath of the of the dead. Um, but but because we have people from all over the world, we just call it the official Sabbath. And um, some people are cele- celebrating Beltane, some of us are celebrating Samhain. It's this it's this really fun time. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got we have some really wonderful people this year, and more people are being added to the roster every day. Um, but we've got Jesse Hathaway, who is this really incredible occultist that not a lot of people know about, but is one of the people I could just sit and listen to talk to, like for days with without even getting up. Like he's just phenomenal. Um, and he, he's going to be the whole theme with the the event is creativity and um, working your creativity into basically your work as a witch or as an occultist. Um, and he has some really fantastic takes on that. And I am excited about that. We've got Madame Pamita, who is, is a amazing practitioner as well. She has a bunch of books out right now. She's the shit. Um, and we've got Christopher Opello and Tara McGuire. They're coming like, this is a really good group of people. So I'm very excited about it. Um, and that'll be the first weekend in November. We are going to have the witchies again. That'll be, um, the same, uh, same weekend and, uh, open nominations start very soon for that. So if you just go to modernwitch.com, you can find pretty much everything. Or if you follow me online, you'll, you'll also get it too. Ah, um, but yeah, so lots excited. of, lots of good stuff. That's going to be so great. We loved going to the last. So everyone should keep their eyes wide open. I'm sure we'll be doing some massive retweets and getting the word out there, too. It's just such a great time. So, Devin, thank you so, so much for coming on here and chatting with us today. This is Thanks for having just me. wonderful. Um, I feel all the more enlightened from it. So, everyone, look out. We're going to end this interview. We're going to go uh, take a quick break, and then we will be back in the bonus feed. So, like I said, revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe if you want access to that. But this Saturday, join us. Uh, that is the 18th, by the way, September 18th. Devin will be with us live 7 p.m eastern time that is 4 p.m pacific time uh check us out we're going to be doing that seance live seeing what we can do with the esp group Devin, thank you again everyone out there you stay safe and we'll catch up with you very soon bye-bye bye everybody